When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome on in, Eagles fans, to episode 58 of the No Huddle Show or Philadelphia Eagles podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined by Elliot Shore Parks, as always, our beat reporter for NJ Advanced Media. Mark Eckel not with us this episode. He'll be back as soon as we talk about the Eagles and this offseason. They win their final game, and we're going to do something a little different for this week's podcast. We'll get into the offseason and all of you know what is to come with the Eagles. In a you know soon in a week or two we'll talk about that our next episode but for today for this episode we're recording the Tuesday after week 17 we're going to talk Carson Wentz as Elliot you have Carson finishing his rookie year all 16 games setting some records ups downs so we'll make this the Carson episode and you got a chance to watch all of his games Elliot first thoughts uh, after the Eagles win their final game and just on Carson what pops in your head when you think about his rookie season now that we kind of can digest it a little bit. To go off the Dallas game, um, you know, you can debate how much these last two wins really mattered for the Eagles. Uh, obviously, you know, it makes them 7-9, and nine, which I think, you know, sounds a lot better than 5-11 and 11 when you're talking about going into next year. But to me, what really, you know, to tie it all together between Wentz and the Eagles, the, the turning point in this season, both for the team and Wentz, I think was that loss to the Cincinnati Bengals. I mean, we talked on the podcast after that loss and, you know, we, we all wrote about it, talked about it on, you know, different mediums, Twitter, all that. That was a game where you could really see things starting to fall apart for the Eagles. Um, you know, they didn't play hard. They looked really bad. And Carson Wentz probably had his worst game of the year. And it was kind of, you know, come, come, uh, like putting all together a few games in a row where he had played really bad. So that game, going when after that game happened, looking forward to the rest of the season, I thought things had the potential to get very ugly. I mean, there was talks about Doug being fired, all those things. But those, the next four games after that Bengals loss – I think might have been Wentz's best football this season when you take into consideration kind of what was at stake. When they beat the Steelers back in week three, that was obviously a, a big win, and you could make the argument that's their best win of the season, but things could have really fallen apart. So for Wentz to kind of rebound, you know, he, he almost beats the Redskins. He, you know, he brings Eagles down the field, and then there's that fumble. He brings them all the way down the field against the Ravens, and if it wasn't for that two-point conversion attempt, who knows what would have happened. Then they beat the Giants in prime time, and again, the Giants needed. And personally, I think, I think that's their best win of the season. And then they beat the Cowboys backups, which whatever. But you, So if you look at these last four games, I think Carson Wentz really kind of rebounded from a slump in the middle of the season, and that's huge to see because you know it would have been easy for him to really – end his season on a bad note then you go into the offseason saying you know is you know obviously Wentz would have started next year but then you can question you know was it the right pick and all those things and that but now I think when you look at Carson Wentz off these last four games I think there's more reason to be optimistic now that this is the quarterback the Eagles are going to need and can be their franchise quarterback than there was really after that Steelers win and definitely before the season and before he took the field. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, his September was outstanding, and everyone got all excited because of that. He had a lull in the middle of the season like the team did, but he, he came out of it. So, Elliot, you always do this, the, the post right after the game, talking about the different aspects of Carson Wentz's game. So let's let's do that a little bit before the season because there's different little aspects of him as the quarterback that we could talk about. The, the one that I think keeps getting brought up, and you always write about this every week, is his accuracy. You know, when you look at it as a, in total, he completed over 62% of his passes, which is really good, I think, for yeah. a rookie quarterback back but he did have some plays where he missed by a lot it looked to me more like footwork uh, mechanics after the Cincinnati game he didn't really want to acknowledge the mechanics issues what have you seen with his accuracy which at times has been way off and at times it's almost like he gets in a rhythm sometimes he's really on other times he's off yeah Joe you mentioned it with his accuracy and there was a lot of talk in the beginning of the season or not really the beginning of the season but I would say maybe starting around week six, seven, um, about his footwork and his mechanics. And one thing he consistently did throughout this season was sail passes high over the middle. Um, and obviously that resulted in, I think he ended with 14 interceptions. And I would, I would guess going back and looking, a lot of those came, came between the hash marks down the middle of the field. That's the area he did struggle with. Um, I think when you, you know, game by game, there were definitely some games where he did not play well. Um, the Bengals game, he didn't play well. Uh, against the Redskins that first time. I didn't think he played overly well. So there were, there were certainly some games. When you look overall at his 16-game schedule, to me, a couple of things stand up about, about his accuracy. The first is he is capable of making almost every throw there is. I mean, he has the arm strength to do it. He can you know get the ball out quickly to the sidelines. He can squeeze the ball in tight spaces. He throws a very nice deep ball um, when he's on. I agree with you. He can be a little bit streaky, um, I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing because, you know, all quarterbacks get hot. But what I did notice about Wentz with his accuracy was, you know, I, I'll have to look this up to get the exact numbers. But it seemed to me, and um, you can tell me if you agree, Joe, that he was especially good this year on third down. I thought, you know, a couple times this year, or more than a couple times, you know, a, a whole bunch this year, he made big throws on third down. And I thought that was that was really good to see. And I think it was kind of, you know, it showed a larger point, which is I thought this year when he had to make big throws – I mean, outside of maybe that touchdown or the missed touchdown against the Giants on the road when you can argue he maybe overthrew Jordan Matthews a little bit in the end zone, I thought there weren't a lot of times this year where there was big throws that needed to be made, and you could say, man, Wentz just straight up missed them. So, I mean, clearly all of his passes weren't perfect this year. As you mentioned, 62% um, is not certainly not bad. He had the most completions ever for a rookie quarterback. So, you know, he did have some accomplishments with accuracy. But I think overall, what to me, what stood out was, that in the big moments, late in games, third down, third and long, those type of situations, he made a number of big throws. And that really speaks to me about his accuracy in clutch situations and his ability to make throws when it really counts. Yeah, I agree with that. They had a lot of long drives this year. So on those, it felt like when they were moving the chains, it was him you know, making a third down play or making a good throw to, to get that first down. I, I saw the same thing. The one part about Carson's season that – when people are critical or they're wondering how he can improve on it is the decision making. So it's one thing to miss. It's one thing to have, you know, maybe footish, you know, footwork issues, which he can work on, but the decision making in terms of when to throw a ball over the middle of the field, when not to, we, especially the last few weeks, Elliot, we saw him move a lot, show a lot of mobility and then try to make a play. Now I like his aggression. I like the fact that he has this, that gunslinger mentality sometimes where it feels like he just thinks, says, screw it. I'm going to try to make this play and make this throw. Now, if you do that over the middle of the field, there's going to be some interceptions. Probably could have been a couple in the Dallas game in Week 17 that they ultimately didn't catch. What do you think about the decision-making after watching every one of the throws he made as a rookie? 
I thought decision making more so than his mechanics and his accuracy was one area that really slipped in the middle of the year. Um, I think it rebounded a little bit at the end, but you know, in those, we, you know, when you talk about those first three games and how good he looked, and on this podcast we talked about him being rookie of the year. What really stood out was he made you know almost no decisions where you could say that that's a rookie mistake. And yeah, he took chances with the ball and he was a gunslinger and all those things, but he didn't have any throws where you said like what is he what is he seeing there? And that really changed in the middle of the year. I mean. I think there was two or three interceptions in between that Bengals and Ravens game where he threw it like right to a linebacker or right. I mean, against the Vikings, he did it actually. And that was week seven. So there were a few times this year where he, he started to make throws after week five, six, where you could really see that. I don't know if he was confused or, or what, but it was, they were, they were not good decisions. I mean, when you talk about the gunslinger mentality, you know, that, I like I like that he takes those chances down the field, even if it's intercepted. And kind of kind of the perfect example is that the interception he had against the Lions back in week uh, five, I think it was, um, when he they you know they had the ball down maybe one or two points, uh, and he threw it down the field and it was intercepted on I think it was the first play of of that drive with about two minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And you can really go back and forth on that one. You could say, look, you got to be more conservative in that area. Um, in that time and I think there, there's some validity to that but that's an area where you see you know it's a decision he made but it was an aggressive decision what, what what concerned me about him in the middle of the season was his decisions looked like he didn't know what he was looking at and that's a lot different than being aggressive and throwing it down the field I do think against the Giants you know he he, he did improve a little bit in that area but I, I think decision making is one area and that's where coaching comes in too I mean we, we talked about it on this and I wrote about it after that Bengals game the Eagles' number one priority has to be protecting Carson Wentz. I mean, above above all, no matter what it takes. He's the best thing this organization has going by a mile. And if his decision-making continued to slip, then I think you look and you say, all right, is Doug, Frank Reich, and John Filippo the right trio to have around Wentz? But because his decision-making did rebound, I think, you know, Doug deserves another year. And, you know, that's a whole other podcast when we do that. But I think his decision-making rebounding was a very good sign because I was very concerned about it midway through the year. Yeah, you weren't the only one. I mean, Doug got beat up for a while there uh, among a lot of fans just because of the way the season was going and the quarterback maybe slipping a little bit. The one thing down the stretch, it was clear whether he was more comfortable, whether he had to because the offensive line until Lane Johnson got back against the Giants had a lot of injuries, especially, you know, against the Redskins and against the Ravens. But Carson's mobility and moving in the pocket which we heard a lot about that he could do that coming out of North Dakota State. We didn't see it so much the beginning of the year. That might have been because of the injury he had in the preseason. But we saw a lot of it in the last few games where he would get out and make really spectacular moves. Moving forward, how much do you think that's going to be part of his game, part of the, the game plan? I mean, it's one thing when the pocket breaks down, but they could also use that if, if he is comfortable throwing on the move or getting out of the pocket. Yeah, in the beginning of the year, I was surprised at how little he did do that. I mean, you know, coming out of North Dakota State, when you watch all those plays in North Dakota State, you saw how much he used that, his, his running mobility. And that was kind of the area when everyone said, all right, it's one thing to do that when you're in North Dakota State. Coming to the NFL, he's not going to be, be able to outrace these athletes. You know, defensive ends now are much faster than they used to be. So getting to the corner and getting around is much tougher for a quarterback. And in the first three games, he didn't do that very much. And I remember the first matchup against the Giants – um, on the road, they, they they really tried to run him a bunch. It was fourth and one. They ran him to the side. They did a few quarterback draws. And he didn't look s- slow, per se. I mean, the, I will say the Giants do have fast defensive ends. But 
I, he didn't look like he was able to do it at the NFL level. And as, you know, with decision making and all that, you can grow. But as an athlete, I was like looking at it thinking maybe he just doesn't have have it to get to the edges. But throughout the season, that is one area where he definitely regressed. I mean, sorry, not regressed, where he definitely got better. I mean, we can debate the first few categories and all that, but he looked far, far more confident and better as an athlete later in the season. And I think part of that had to do with he was more comfortable with what he was seeing, so he was able to let his natural instincts take over a little bit more. And I don't think that's something I accounted for earlier in the year when, when judging him as an athlete. Uh, I mean, especially against the Giants, um, you know, against the Packers, with two get the Cowboys too. I mean, he really avoided pressure great. And when, when you talk to his teammates, so, so last year when Sam Bradford was the quarterback, one thing uh, the receivers didn't like about Bradford was when, he, when pressure came his way, he took his eyes off, off down the field. So that's why he would, you know, either basically throw it out of bounds, take the sack, or just, or just dump it down to the running back. And, you know, if you're a quarterback that can avoid the pressure when it's there, that's when big plays happen because the secondary gets scrambled, your receiver basically improvises. And you saw that with, with Wentz this year, that the difference is when Bradford had that pressure, the play was essentially dead. Later in the season, when Wentz had that pressure and he was able to move around a little bit, he really did a great job of, you know, making um, something out of nothing. So going forward, in terms of designed runs, I don't know how much you want to do that if you're the Eagles. I think it's definitely something they could do. He, he's good enough. But what really impresses me about his mobility is how he uses it in the pocket and how he, can, how he doesn't give up on plays just because he has to start running and the pressure's there. Yeah, and there were a lot of those. And, and for the Eagles, when, when they try to design you know, what he could be and, and, and what best offense would be for him moving forward, all that will come into account. So you write these grades every week and you use these different categories. Now that the season is over, when you look back, Elliot, at his first year, which included, like you said, the rookie record for completions, all, starting all 16 games, which is no small feat in itself, considering he was hurt in the preseason, he wasn't expected to play, he was hurt last year, which was a concern coming into you know the Eagles drafting him. What kind of grade would you give Carson Wentz for his rookie year? The team goes 7-9, and nine, he has ups, he has downs, but for him, for the way you watched him play over the full year, how would you grade Carson Wentz's rookie year? Just overall grade? Not overall not. grade. Well, all right. So I was asked this a few days ago, and I think I, I will give him an A, and here's why. Because I think as a rookie, you're looking for certain things out of Carson Wentz. You're not looking for him to be the perfect polished quarterback. If I was grading how Wentz played this season, if Aaron, if Aaron Rodgers turned in this season, then I think you get a C or a D. If you know Tom Brady has this season, it's the worst season ever. But when you look at what you expected out of Carson Wentz, when you look at the talent that's around him, a rookie head coach, Offensive coordinator in Frank Reich, and that you know certainly didn't come with a, with a ton with a long resume of success. And I do think they ended up having a tough schedule. And then you throw in the fact that he's coming from North Dakota State to Philadelphia. Um, I was very impressed with how he handled himself off the field this season. Uh, you know, I mentioned the things that teammates would say about Bradford when he was here. You can't find a player to say a bad thing about Carson Wentz. Um, they like him. He really has earned the respect of that locker room. And they really can recognize that he is a very talented player. Um, so while I do think there's some throws he shouldn't have made and all those things, when you take into account everything that he had on his plate this year and how he handled it basically perfectly off the field and then on the field showed, I think you would agree with this, Joe, more than enough signs of being a franchise quarterback. I don't really think you could have asked for much more out of Carson Wentz this year. And that's why I think I would give him an A based on, on that scale. I would too. Yeah, I think he had a great season. The only thing that I think 
impacts this is that, especially for Eagles fans, watching Carson Wentz do what he did compared to watching Dak Prescott do what he did in Dallas. Now, it's apples to oranges, the teams and, and what they have around them. But we watched another rookie quarterback this year play better than Carson Wentz. I mean, he just had a better season statistically, wins and losses. He was a better quarterback this year. Now, a lot of that is because the circumstances he has around him in Dallas. When you watched uh, Prescott, Elliott, you got to watch him twice. I know on Sunday uh, you got a very limited sample of him because he came out of the game. You did watch him for the full game in Dallas. When you watch Prescott, how, how would you compare the two rookie quarterbacks that have gotten the most publicity this year? Uh, Goff barely played for the Rams. But the two that everyone's talked about, Wentz, Prescott. Yeah, well, to start, Goff is terrible. I mean, the Eagles, <laughs> the Eagles really dodged a bullet there with that. I mean, I, I believe that when they made that trade for the number two pick, they knew they were getting Wentz. So you don't buy Howie's vanilla and chocolate no, like was, ice cream flavors? No, that was a ridiculous answer. I believe that they knew they were getting Wentz. That being said, you know, God, God forbid something happens to Goff in between that trade. You know, you never know what, what, what's going to happen. So the fact that they did end up with Wentz, they're very lucky because – I mean, you look, Jeff Fisher got fired. I mean, drafting a quarterback number one overall and having him not pan out and, you know, is, is cost people jobs. So the fact that they got Wentz and not Goff, I think really saved Doug's job and definitely saved Howie's job. But, but outside of Goff, when you look at just Wentz and Prescott, in the middle of the season, um, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times on this podcast, I'm a big believer in quarterback win-loss record. Some people buy into it. Some people don't. Whatever. I, I think it matters. I don't think it matters in one season, but I think it matters over a large, a large time. But I thought I saw Prescott make plays in the middle of the season, early season against the Eagles and overtime that were signs that he could really be a winning quarterback. I mean, he really stepped up against the Eagles in uh, crunch time, leading, you know, leading them down the field in overtime and helping to lead that comeback. And when Wentz wasn't doing that, when there was, you know, at one point, I think he was 0 for 5 with the ball. And with the game either tied or the Eagles trailing and, and, you know, less than two minutes ago in the fourth, when he wasn't doing that and Prescott was, that's when I started to think, you know, maybe Prescott's better. But after watching them both, I think, first of all, they're both very good. At the beginning of the season, I wasn't a big Prescott fan. So I have changed my mind on that. I do think he's a good quarterback. I think Wentz is playing with so much less that it's, it's hard to really compare both. I still, if given the choice, would take Wentz over Prescott because I think Wentz has shown the ability to make something on nothing more than Prescott has. Um, But I will say at the beginning of the season, I was asked if I would take Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott over Wentz and Wendell Smallwood. And at the time I said Wentz because I thought you just take the best quarterback and you figure it out from there. Now I'm not as sure. So I'll throw that one to you too, Joe. But I, I think now that the gap is smaller between Wentz and Prescott than I thought, I would still take Wentz, but I don't think it's as much of a, a slam dunk as it was in the beginning of the year. Yeah, that, I remember that same question coming up a lot. I mean, to, I still like Wentz better. I think his ceiling is higher. I think he'll be the better quarterback. But they have a lot there, including the guy that might be the MVP of the league behind Prescott in Ezekiel Elliott. So I, I think the question really feeds into the Eagles have to sur- start surrounding Wentz with more because – the Cowboys are set up with two stars. The Eagles only have, you know, whatever Wentz's ceiling is going to be for him here. So I still take Wentz. I don't think the Eagles regret what, they, what they've done. And I'm sure if they could do it again, I think they would take him again. But it just adds to, like, now this offseason is critical. One, for Carson to improve, you know, his issues with footwork and all that kind of stuff. And I'm sure he'll watch the film. But now, and this, I'm sure you're going to write about this, and we'll talk about it for months and months. The Eagles have to now 
help Carson, right? Because he is what he is, and he's going to be really good. And we believe in him as a franchise quarterback, but there's just not enough there around him. Does it start and end with wide receiver for you? You mentioned running back, too. Yeah. Do you think that's a big need to help Carson and take some pressure off him? Yeah, I, don't, I think the need at running back is just as big as receiver, if not more. Because if you have a really good quarterback, I mean, this is an extreme example, but you know, look at Tom Brady in New England. Again, extreme example. But if you have a really good quarterback, you don't need like a Des Bryant or a Julio Jones. Obviously, those players help. But what the Eagles need for their offense, and, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's the perfect example. They need a stud running back because the, the, the play that kind of defines the season in a lot of way at running back for me is the two-point the two point attempt um, against Baltimore where Doug explained that the reason Ryan Matthews wasn't on the field was because they were not going to run the ball. So instead of Ryan Matthews, they had Byron Marshall, undrafted rookie out there. And you can debate whether or not that was good logic, whatever. But the fact that Doug didn't feel confident putting Ryan Matthews, their top running back out there in a, in a throwing situation, really says why this team needs a new running back and needs a stud running back. Because if the Eagles offense and the way Peterson likes to run it has a running back that they can trust out there for three downs, you know, whether it be a throwing situation or, or, a, or a run, would really change this offense completely. Um, the Eagles offensive line this year, I thought, did a decent job run blocking. Obviously, they're getting older and there's going to have to be some changing pieces. But if the Eagles can get a running back that of, of Ezekiel's Elliott caliber, I mean, we look, me and you, Joe, have talked about this. You know, Dalvin Cook at Florida State, um, I think would be perfect in this offense. They need someone that can catch the ball out of the backfield. I mean, Darren Sproles at 34 years old or 33 years old um, had 43 catches this year. The Eagles clearly want to throw the ball to their running backs. And Sproles, for as talented as he is, and he's a special player, is not a guy you can build your offense around. So if you said to me, you know, can I get a number one receiver or a stud running back like Ezekiel Elliott? Or a better example, would I take Dalvin Cook out of Florida State or Mike Williams out of Clemson? I think it would be a tough decision, but I do think there's argument to be made for Dalvin Cook simply because, or Leonard Fournette or whoever you like as a top running back. But I think the Eagles, a running back, would change this offense much more than a stud receiver would. Yeah, they need playmakers, right? I mean, that, that's the big thing. They need big playmakers. And whether that is coming from the running game or you know, a running back catching the ball, like you said, out of the backfield, or a star wide receiver. I mean, they're going to have to upgrade in a lot of areas. It's a matter of how they use that pick, and it's a matter of what it takes to make Carson better. So th- I think that's going to be the, the – it's hard, but it's simple at the same time. Like, which player helps make Carson Wentz the best because that's how the Eagles are going to win. So before the season, Elliot, we, we talked about Carson and what he had to be. I remember we had a conversation of – well, how good does Carson Wentz have to be to justify what the Eagles did to go get him? Which, you know, was mitigated a little bit when they got that pick back for Sam Bradford. But they still, they, they did a lot to go get this quarterback. To move from 13 to 8 to 2. They, they traded a lot away and moved a lot to make sure they landed this guy. And we said before the season, well, he has to turn out to be a really, really good top of the NFL type of quarterback. Whether that's top 5, top 10, whatever you know, we said and whatever people thought at the time. To justify it. After watching him for a year, has your opinion changed on his ceiling? Like, how good do you think he can be when it all comes together for him, you know, down the line? I think he can be Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I think he can be that guy. I think he can be that good. I think he's shown he has the intangibles. Yes, I'd like to see him do a little bit more in crunch time this year. But I think he has all the intangibles off the field. I think all of his teammates like him. On the field, he's very mobile, but he can still make all the throws. Um, he wants to win from the pocket. Uh, I, I, I 
am just as confident in Carson Wentz. And like I said before, actually more confident now because I've seen him deal with adversity. I mean, this is this Eagles team should not have been seven and nine. And I'm not saying Carson Wentz carried them to seven wins, but the fact that Wentz, and look, I think Peterson deserves some credit for this too. The fact that they got seven wins out of a team that had a defense that basically collapsed in every big situation this year, a uh, receiver and core that I like Jordan Matthews, but Doriel Green Beckham was a bust. I mean, and then those other guys, Nelson Aguilar had to be benched, and he was basically with undrafted guys. I think the fact that Carson Wentz got seven wins out of this team is is very impressive. And I I think, you know, you talk about giving up what you did for the trade. Look, nothing's a guarantee when you make the trade. Who knows what will happen with here from who knows no one knows for sure what will happen with Carson Wentz here and out. But if the Eagles had to do that deal again, they absolutely would. And I think if the Browns were completely honest, they would not do that deal and they would take Carson Wentz because the hardest position to find in all of sports is quarterback. Obviously, the Eagles have to build around him. Wentz has to improve all that. But the Eagles, they gave up stuff, but now they have that quarterback. And I think so. The, the trade was an absolute slam dunk. Obviously, getting the pick back for Bradford clearly makes things better. And that was maybe you know the best trade of the NFL season when you consider that pick's going to be a top 15 pick. But looking back, the Eagles would do the deal again. And I think they were absolutely right to do it. And they should feel extremely optimistic about Wentz going forward. You know, you mentioned when you mentioned Rodgers there, two things popped to my mind. One was after the first game, Jason Peters made that same comparison. And, you know, he's seen a lot of football and uh, he's been on the field much more than you and I have. So he's seen great quarterbacks play. So as you were talking, I went back and looked at Rodgers' numbers his first year. Now, to be fair, he had sat for three years. So he had a lot of practice time. He was, he's the opposite of Carson Wentz. Like he was groomed for years and years. Meanwhile, Carson thrown right in. But, he went uh, to go to wins and losses. He was 6-10 and 10 in his first year as a starter. His completion percentage was 63, a little bit better than Carson. And he threw 13 interceptions. Carson threw 14. Now, he had more yards. He had more touchdowns. He was better a- in his first year. But not that dissimilar that it's, you, know, you, you can't start with that base and, and talk about it. If he's that, Elliot, if he's close to that, it's going to make life for the Eagles so much better because you, you would think he's going to take a big leap here. Usually, I feel like when great quarterbacks go from a rookie to their second year, there is that leap. Do you think that will happen with Carson? And maybe not statistically because that's dependent on players around him, but do you expect a leap from him from year one to two after this offseason? Yeah, I do. Um, I, the, I mean, the only thing, in my opinion, that could stop Carson Wentz from being an elite quarterback, I mean— I already think Carson Wentz is probably like a top 15 quarterback. Uh, I don't know what your, your opinion on that would be. Um, but like based think, on the season or like if we were starting a team type of thing? I think just based off watching him play. I mean, starting a team, obviously, I think he's top 15. Yeah, he'd yeah, well, have to be, otherwise the Eagles are in trouble. Yeah, yeah. So, um, But I think even just the – I mean, you mentioned the skills around him. Yeah, he made some bad throws this year, but I, don't, I think if, he, if he's on the Cowboys, I still think they're 14-2 and two or whatever they ended up being, or three. But – uh, I mean, I do think that he's a. I think next year he will take that leap. I think he has the potential to be a top five guy. But what I said was, I think Doug Peterson's the only guy that can stop him from doing that. I think Carson Wentz has it in him physically. I think he has the mental part. I think he has the work ethic. He has all those things. But my biggest concern going forward is does he have the coaching staff around him? I'm not as much concerned about the talent because I do think that that will eventually happen. I mean, Howie's not a good general manager, but he'll, he'll luck into one guy. But do they have the coaching staff around Wentz? And that's, to me, I don't, know, I don't know the answer. I've been very critical of Doug, but I still would keep Doug for a year. I think that was the route I would go. But I think when you talk about Carson taking a leap 
not just from year one to two, but at the end of year three, where is Carson going to be? Where is his team going to be? I think Doug is the biggest question mark about that. I have zero questions about, about Wentz. But, you know, in, in, you know, to bring Bradford back in the equation as an example, after year one, I mean, Bradford was rookie of the year. He was seven and nine. They lost that last game of the season and missed the playoffs. Bradford is what he is now. But if Bradford doesn't have all that turnover in the coaching staff, if he doesn't injure himself, who knows what he is? So Wentz is going to need some luck, but he's going to need the right coaches around him more than anything. And that, to me, is the biggest concern. Yeah, they, well, they have to figure out whether it's through the coaching, whether it's through Howie's talent acquisition. Put, put, put him in the best situation to succeed so he can reach that ceiling that you and I were just talking about there and become that guy. So, all right, we're going to end this podcast with uh, a little fun about what happened in San Francisco and Chip Kelly because we spent so much time in years past talking about Chip. But before we do... You're the, what impressed you the most? We'll end with that on Carson. So, you know, we've both, obviously, for the last half hour, talked about how impressed we have been about what his rookie year, what he accomplished, what he has to work on. If you had to pinpoint one thing, Elliot, that you take away and say, that was the most impressive thing he did as a rookie, what, what would it be? Either a moment, a throw, or just something overall? All right, so I think off the top of my head, if I had to pick one moment that really showed everything Carson Wentz is, it would be the throw against the Steelers to Darren Sproles because he had pressure, he maneuvered it, kept his eyes down the field, had the chance to run. I mean, there was a lot of room in front of him. Moved basically towards the sideline while not going through past the line of scrimmage, keeping the option to run open, and then drawing the defender in and at that point flipping it to Darren Sproles for that long touchdown. Uh, I think it had everything we've talked about in this past half hour about Wentz. It had decision-making, it had mobility, it had keeping his eyes down the field, and it was a winning play. I mean, that was a huge play. It broke the game open. I think Carson Wentz is going to end up being a winner. So when the Eagles look at this year and you want to really feel optimistic about Wentz, that's the one play I would look at. That's a great one. I think that's the highlight play for Wentz for his rookie season. I'm going to go with a big picture thing, just the fact that he started and finished all 16 games. No yeah. Eagle quarterback had done it since Donovan 08. Um, and, and it was a weird year for the Eagles where they had a lot of downs and ups and the Cincinnati game. It was, it was almost like, to me, an omen for the season. Like, he just kept getting back up. And he kept leading this football team. And it's clearly now, after a year he wasn't even supposed to play, it is his football team. I think that's, that's a major positive for him. So, Elliot, as we sit here on this January 3rd, it's Tuesday we're doing this podcast. Last year at this time, we weren't talking about individual players. We were talking about the shakeup with everything. Chip got fired, Howie back in charge, and a crazy coaching search that led to Doug Peterson. Obviously, Chip goes out to the Niners. The first year is a disaster. He gets fired. Both you and I were, you know, Chip fans when he was here and supported and, and thought was, you know, it was kind of crazy they fired him as quickly as they did after one bad year. Now he has an awful year in San Francisco. He's out. Who knows if he'll ever be an NFL head coach again after these two years back to back. What do you think about what happened out there? And especially with the stories coming out with, you know, him and the GM out there and basically just not even on the same page again, different but similar a little bit to what happened here. I think Chip. If I could give Chip any piece of advice, it would be don't go back to college. He's going to make a lot of money next year from the Eagles and the Niners. I think what Chip needs is Chip needs to go to a team, for lack of a better example, like New England, um, that has a really strong coaching staff already, and just kind of learn you know, how to run a bit of a different offense. I think Chip is an incredibly bright guy. I think he can be a successful head coach. In the NFL, I think he he just needs to make a few small adjustments. And, you know, it was funny when he got fired, 
as you mentioned, Joe, you know, when he, when he was fired in Philadelphia, I said, I thought it was a mistake. So when he was fired by the Niners, everybody came in my Twitter mentions, you know, retweeting all my old tweets and, you know, saying I was wrong, blah, blah. Chip still won 26 games in three years here. And we'll see if Doug ever wins 10 games. And Carson Wentz gonna have a lot to do with that. But I, I would like to see what could happen with Chip if he got his quarterback. And if he takes a year off, rehabs, rehabs his image a little bit, I do think he will be back in the NFL. Because you, there's nothing the NFL, first of all, loves more than retread coaches. And I think Chip might be hurt a little bit by that because I think when he came in the NFL, he doesn't have the best reputation in terms of being easy to work with and also just around the league. I mean, a guy like Jeff Fisher, for whatever you think of him as a coach, people do like him. And that's why up until now, he keeps jobs. So I think Chip needs to do a little bit of that in terms of just getting to be better well-liked among, you know, owners and GMs and all that. But I think I think Chip will be back in the NFL. I think he's a big name. I think he's had some success in the NFL. The, the San Francisco thing was a disaster. Everyone says, do the, do the Niners regret hiring Chip? I bet Chip regrets taking that job. Financially, clearly, he has no regrets. But in terms of his career, I think it was – I think that he regrets doing that. It was a bad situation. They had no talent, and the team didn't let him build. So if you don't think Chip's a good head coach, I don't think you can judge him off that San Francisco thing. If you want to say Chip's not going to succeed in the NFL, look at the seven and nine year in Philadelphia. But I think Chip will be back in the NFL, probably not this year as a head coach. But if you told me four years from now, is Chip Kelly head coach in the NFL? I would say yes. It's funny that the New England thing makes so much sense too with, you know, Chip Kelly and Bill Belichick have a relationship. If Josh McDaniels gets a job, that I could see that. And, and he's I remember. When he got fired, I remember you brought up, Elliot, last year, you know, Belichick, right? Because Belichick, when he was young, failed, and then everyone thought he couldn't do it, and he came back. And I saw this tweet the other day from Bill Barnwell, the ESPN writer. It's still after this year, after this – I mean, he went 2-14. and 14. They only beat the Rams the entire season out in San Francisco. His winning percentage as a head coach, 444, is basically identical to Belichick's in Cleveland, 450. So even with this year, yeah, he still has that where it's like, all right, he's not egregiously bad. It just – it's crazy how quickly it went off the rails because, what was it, uh, Thanksgiving 2014 when they beat the Cowboys, you were there? I think at that point he was 19-9 and nine as a head coach, and since then, it's like he can't win anymore. And I'll say two things. I think, uh, one, well, one, I think another good comparison is Pete Carroll, who, you know, got fired twice before he went back to USC, and then he came back to Seattle, and he was, when he was fired the second time, he was viewed as like, it was after one season with the Jets, I believe he was fired. Um, and, you know, he was viewed as just a college coach, blah, blah, and all those things. So I do think there's, there's some uh, comparison there. But let me, let me throw this to you, uh, Joe. And I think Eagles fans will enjoy this. If it was up to you right now, would you keep Doug Peterson or would you take Chip back and kind of, you know, take a chance on him again? I'd keep Doug just because the players, and you know this better than I do, but the players seem to like him, play for him. It's, it's not even about the X's and O's. I just feel that other stuff with Chip became such a big deal. It became, and I don't know what happened in San Francisco. I don't know if those players didn't like him. I, I can't answer that because we don't follow him that closely. But here I know, like, I don't know why, you know, maybe the personality thing, maybe other things we don't know about, but they just didn't want to play for that guy at the end. They play for Doug. We'll see if Doug knows what he's doing, you know, in time. But I, I'd keep Doug if, if that was actually presented, which would be a wild scenario if, if, uh, if it if ever was actually. Yeah, and I mean, I think I would keep Doug too. Um, I think Chip is going to prove to be ultimately a better head coach than Doug. I could be wrong, but I, I mean, that, that's what I think. Um, but I just would be interested to see Wentz, Wentz and Chip together. So I think, do, did the Eagles make a mistake firing Chip? 
I don't think now you can say that they made a mistake. Um, but it's just interesting to think that at this time last year, well, let's say before they, they, before they fired Chip, if you said the Eagles would have Doug Peterson and Chip would be out of the league and we would both keep Doug Peterson over Chip, I mean, that, it's just crazy to think that's what it's come to. Things changed fast. A year ago, we barely knew Carson Wentz's name. And now uh, you and I both with a straight face, even though people can't see us, we're behind the screen or, or, or a phone. We both said Carson Wentz you know, has the kind of ceiling to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league. We didn't even know he was basically a year ago. Things changed fast. They always do with the Eagles. Uh, we'll be back soon with another episode after we hear some more thoughts on the Eagles from you know, their leadership in the offseason. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about, Elliot, here because they have, they have a lot of holes to fill. And I'm sure we'll get into this next time. They don't think they're far away from competing, which is going to make this an interesting offseason if, if they operate like that. I get it. It's, it's always an interesting offseason with the Eagles. Every year I go into the offseason, I'm like, oh, there's not much they're going to do. It's always interesting with the Eagles. So as much as everyone says, yeah, they have their coach, they have their quarterback, I think it's going to be an extremely interesting offseason once again. They always make it that way. Elliot, really appreciate this, and uh, we'll talk next week. Sounds good, Joe. Talk to you later. And thanks to all of you for listening to The No Huddle Show, episode 58. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. We'll be back next week right here on NJ.com.